1: when i was a kid my dad was a cop and we spent five seasons of loose units the podcast talking through his cases but the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads because the story doesn't end when the killing is done welcome to loose units the shadow files hello and welcome to loose units the shadow files and welcome to part two of our look at the family court murders last week Dad and I worked through the first couple of years of this pretty grueling case, which before we ran into this case, I didn't actually know about, but we're looking at it because there is a multi-part special running on ABC TV, and we thought it would be good to look at it from Dad's perspective because he was tangentially involved. He was actually on protection duty for a federal judge and was given a pretty sweet ride in the process, but that's... That's neither here nor there. Last week, we reached the point on the 15th of April, 1984, the Family Law Court building at Parramatta was destroyed in a bombing. Now, very, very shortly after that was the next murder in this string of crimes, and that is the murder of... Well, Dad, you know what? You've actually gone and done some work. You've dug up an article from the 5th of July, 1984, in the Sydney Morning Herald. Is that correct? Yeah, and also hall
2: as the listeners know that was very very close to where i was working um as a police officer at north sydney
1: how far exactly
2: made it under siren from north sydney police station you would have been there in really if you really put your foot to the floor yeah i reckon i could have got there in maybe
1: five minutes so what i find interesting is that when when I was riding Loose Units in Electric Blue and you were telling the stories in the first few seasons of the podcast when you were in general duties and forensics, mm. one of the big sticking points was a thing called out of area. Yeah. As in, as a police officer stationed at a specific place, you are not allowed to go and be a police officer most of the time, in, under except under exceptional circumstances, mm. out mm. of your area. So mm. what, what you're saying is the location where this next victim was killed... It was sort of borderline, but it was of such sort of such an intense and
2: insane major uh, job yeah. that they probably... You know how we used to talk about, you know, the, the beeps? You know, you, they'd put a standard job over, then one beep, sort of, you know, break it, enter in progress. Two was armed robbery, something really, really, like, really serious. Mm. And then three, as you know, was saved for a signal one or I don't know whether I ever mentioned this, but that was for an aircraft emergency like a plane's about to crash. Huh. So that got 3, but this this would have been sort of sort of in that weird space between 2 and 3 because it was catastrophic, but yeah, and it was really really close. It's in fact I would hazard a guess based on some of the research I've done that if you had been standing on the footpath outside North Sydney Police Station, there's a very strong chance you
1: would have heard the explosion. It was out of area technically or on that kind of weird borderline yeah. but you think it was severe enough for people 100%. In, okay, to be called. All right. Oh look, police would have been coming in from our you know, from absolutely
2: this yeah. this was a major. And very unusual. I mean, explosions. Yeah. I guess in the in the first instance. Look, the very,
1: very first. I think we should cut to the the article. We don't often do this, but Dad, you sent me this article that you dug up. It's from the archives. It is, yeah. So this was published on the fifth of July, nineteen eighty four, and we'll stop part way to talk about the incredible illustration which is attached. Mm. And it, I mean, this is the kind of coverage of crimes which is, I mean, it's incredible. It's granular, mm. but please, um, yeah, take it away. Okay. I'm
2: just going to read from the the actual article, Please which, do. We, which we which as you know we normally don't do, but yeah. it's very very concise. Picks sort of creates this sort of fantastic image of, of what happened. There was no hint of the trouble to come at 5am yesterday, when the city froze and a lone news agent stepped into the main entrance of a home unit block at 175 Greenwich Road, Greenwich, to deliver three newspapers. Now, Paul. At this point, I'd like to say that I went on to Google Maps this morning uh-huh. and I actually went into the live week and, you know, you can move around the street and you can check out the entire thing. And, A, I know the area incredibly well. It's opposite an, what was sort of an oil refinery. Uh-huh. Um, but the building, the apartment block, is exactly as it was prior to the explosion. It hasn't changed. Really? It's It's been... It was restored, rebuilt, the sections that were destroyed. And it's. Um, if you were to go there now, it would be exactly the same as it was prior to the explosion. Huh. Um, and one of the things about the explosion, a lot of the people that heard it initially thought it was actually coming from the refinery, which is
1: just across the road. It's literally a 10-second walk. Right, so an oil refinery where you know there might be some sort of loud bang, yes. and there have been fires there before. And weirdly, I used to go there as a firefighter, which is another yeah. story. But okay, time-wise, so- that but yeah, sorry, but time-wise that doesn't make a great deal of sense because of when this happens. So I guess you know what? Yes, please continue reading. All right, so the news agent he lobbed
2: the papers as they do up the small flight of stairs to the landing outside unit fifteen where the Family Court Judge Justice Raymond Watson and his wife, Pearl, were sleeping. So the newspapers lay there for the next three hours while people rose, breakfasted, and left early for work. Next to them, wired to the front door of the Watson home, police believe, was a massive bomb. About 8 a.m., A Commonwealth of Australia Ford sedan driven by government driver Mr Ronald Hextel drew up outside the block of units. At 8.10am, Justice Watson prepared to leave for work. It was a daily routine. Each workday morning for about seven years, the time he had been living there, the Commonwealth car had been there to pick him up. Now, Paul... At this juncture, I think it's very important to kind of look back on that information and say there lies a fault insofar as it's so sort of like clockwork, isn't it? And if you are doing something at exactly the same time at the same location for seven years...
1: It lets a potential criminal figure out your movements very easily. Precisely. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. So,
2: it had been a fairly casual arrangement. Sometimes... This is so interesting. Mm. This is kind of really, really fascinating in that the bomber Mm. was basically... It was a bit of a lottery for the bomber because he could well... This whole thing could have been foiled because it says that the driver would occasionally, so the casual arrangement, sometimes the driver would walk up to the door and knock. At other times, he would wait outside. This time, the driver did not go up and knock and the one chance of the driver discovering the bomb was gone. At 8.11am, Mrs. Pearl Watson prepared to see her husband off. They had been married for 14 years. She was his second wife, the first having died in 1968. There were two sons and two daughters by the first marriage. The judge's parting on this morning was to be, and I read this, and this kind of, I kind of found it a little bit, I don't know how you feel, Paul, but it said, as in so many marriages marked by a kiss on the cheek and a smile. Did you, you, that kind of, look it's it, the kind I felt of um it was weird to say it's, that
1: it's look, first of all it, i mean this is the 80s journalism mm. has changed also it is uh editorializing quite a bit potentially mm. to try and play on the emotional impact of what's true, true, true. Next, but also
2: know? to sort of i found it slightly disconcerting and a sure. little bit kind of freaked me out a wee bit because i think that's a that's 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 such a creepy generalization of what it's almost like hollywood that
1: like You know how they they want things to be, but that's It's it's an assumption. Unless, of course, look, unless this story involved the driver having watched the goodbye and Mm -hmm. then later on testified, but no, he was outside. He was Mm -hmm. waiting downstairs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, continue. So at 12 a...
2: Sorry. So at 8.12 a.m., Mrs. Watson walked along the corridor about three paces ahead of her husband. She turned to the knob of the door to open it for him. The explosion was devastating. Police assume it was gelignite, and a lot of it. Mrs. Watson had no chance. She caught the full force. She was catapulted backwards right through a brick and plaster interior wall. Now, I've had a look at the building. These buildings are really well made. Yeah, All the that... internal walls are brick mm-hmm. and rendered and... For, I mean, can you imagine Mm -hmm. being able to approach as a a body flying
1: at a brick wall to be able to actually be able to go through the brick wall? Look, part of my problem here, Dad, is that I've glanced ahead because you sent me the article. And I wasn't aware that you were allowed to be this graphic in a national newspaper. I mean, can I read the next part? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I just, listeners, I know we've all got a pretty, pretty tough stomach in terms of what we can handle read gore and stuff like that. But I mean, this is, can you imagine this being published in the paper? And I just don't think it's appropriate to put in a newspaper. Anyway, here we go. Mrs. Watson's legs and part of her head were blown off. The shattered torso landed in a heap beside a bed in the next room surrounded by plaster and other debris that came crashing down. Justice Watson was knocked senseless and lay at the corridor. I just... Is that... Is that... That's graphic, right? Mm. And it's
2: very, very realistic. And I think the... The... The country was under such sort of... Stress. It's just so weird. Yeah. It's a very unusual event to have an explosion. Mm.
1: And... In your experience, though, is that in any way helpful? I mean, what is the point of actually writing that level of detail? Because so far, we've seen the writer, um, we've seen the writer use slightly exploitative mm. imagery mm. regarding the perceived emotional state of the person as she said goodbye to her husband. You know. Mm. But now it's, just, I mean, this is like creative writing, basically. Look, it's, it's very well written, but it's a little intense. Okay, Correct. so um, could you continue? Because I believe uh, she, I believe some other people were affected by the blast as well. Mm-hmm. A, there was a 44 year
2: old Greenwich woman, uh, Greenwich mm-hmm. being the suburb, and her 14 year old daughter. They were walking along the footpath, were cut by the flying glass and other debris that flew from the explosion. Glass landed 50 meters away in the Shell Oil Refinery Complex. Now, 50 mm. metres, as we all know, is the length of an Olympic swimming pool. So that's that's, that's glass shards literally flying through, being hurtled through the air at, at a super velocity. So if one of those was to hit you, you'd be, well, could it could be fatal. Jesus. The vacuum created by the blast caused almost every window in the block of units to cave in.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: A 50-year-old woman resident was cut on the forehead by the glass. One group of residents in the third floor, just above the Watson Home Unit, were having breakfast when the table heaved beneath them. So it's pretty, pretty dramatic. Slabs of bricks were shaken loose from the northern wall of the block. Fittings and plasterwork tumbled down and ominous cracks appeared in the brickwork. In the, adjacent, in the adjacent block, numbers 171 to 173, furniture shook. A light fitting crashed to the entrance pavement and water started running down the
1: inside wall of one unit from the balcony. Now let me just skip ahead here. So I'm just scanning through and it continues to give a really good breakdown of the structural effects and people in the area. But Mm. if we skip ahead quite a way, it says inside the shattered home unit, Justice Watson regained consciousness Mm. after a few minutes, saw the dust and debris lying about him, then went searching for his wife. He found her body and, according to police, staggered down the steps into the street, bleeding from cuts and other injuries, calling for help. Police, fire brigade, and ambulance units rushed to the scene. Justice Watson, the two injured women, and the injured girl were taken to the Royal North Shore Hospital, a hospital I'm intimately acquainted with. Mm. Now, at this point, it goes on to detail the task force. Mm.
2: Big 60 police, 60. Yeah. CIB, homicide, consorting, arson, police rescue, scientific, um, divisional detectives, uniform police, army explosive experts were called in from Melbourne to examine the scene. Building inspectors had to check to see
1: if it was safe. It was a it was a huge production. Interestingly, if you skip ahead to the end of the article, it says detectives from other investigations began comparing and compiling notes. Liaison was stepped up with other police forces, including the AFP, and the telephone numbers for the task force were publicized. Yeah. They are, and this is bizarre, Sydney 211.1526, Sydney 20966, extensions 320, and it goes through and gives actual Old school phone extensions. Yes. Yes. If you want, if you had any information and wanted to mm. get in touch with the task force, mm. Inspector Mackey appealed to the public for any information that might help police identify the culprit or culprits. I know but that makes you realise when they said that that
2: in their last three lines, Paul, Also, yeah. it needs to be mentioned that mm. there was a half million dollar award posted, yeah. and they had a press conference, and I saw the photograph of the two people that were running the conference, and you know, one of them was a wife basher. Fact. And the other was a corrupt politician, Fact. Can you guess who they are? Uh, So the wife basher, known fact, Bob Hawke. And the Premier of New South Wales, Neville Rand. There they are. So that's that's the sort of the level that it was taken to. But in the last three lines, it sort of makes you realise where they were at that point in time the head of the, the the inspector Mackie, the sort of the head of the investigation said, he could not say whether the series of bombings was likely to be the result of one person. It could be 10 persons. It could be a whole group of people. So that shows me at that juncture,
1: they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know. So I'm currently looking at a bunch of photos, and we will post these on the Facebook page at, 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 at <laughs> facebook.com forward slash loose units. But there is a sketch here, almost a kind of cross-section sketch of the apartment building. It shows the car outside parked on Greenwich Road where the driver, Ron Hextel, was injured waiting in his car. Mm. Uh, it shows roughly where the mother and daughter were when they were injured. It shows where another woman was when she was hit by debris from a neighbouring apartment. And then it kind of has a cross-section up in the building and it actually shows the sort of corridor area. And it shows where she was. It shows where Justice Watson was in the next room. And it shows the wall through which his wife, Mrs. Watson, was propelled. Mm. It's really the kind of detail that, again, that, that drawing coupled with the description I read. I mean, it's... Compelling, that's for sure. I mean, if you picked up the paper and you were sitting here after four years of this potential mm. criminal roaming and and there was another... Cri- First of all, Dad, did they think this was the same person? No. No? Okay. But, but it is an attack on a judge. True. Right? But also, look, <clears throat>
2: there were other detectives that have since been interviewed, some of them yeah. very senior and some of them um, I knew. Uh-huh. And because one of the detectives was the key detective in the Ivan Malat case. Jesus Christ yeah. okay so he was a he was a serious uh, seriously you know competent and
1: amazing guy Bob Inkster is his name if he's still right. alive right the next crime to happen Dad is on the 10th of February 1985 so Dad in order to look at the next crime in this string of crimes I actually need to flash us forward to an article that was published three years ago in the Sydney Morning Herald. A former lawyer for the ex-wife of accused family court bomber Leonard John Warwick said he stopped acting for her after a bomb was found beneath the bonnet of a car at his former home. Family court judge Gary Watts, who as a solicitor acted for Andrea Blanchard in custody proceedings against Mr. Warwick, recalled the moment he learned of the chilling discovery. I'd been told that a bomb had been found under the bonnet of a car that was parked in my old driveway, Justice Watts said before the New South Wales Supreme Court on Tuesday. Justice Watts is the first of Mr. Warwick's alleged victims to give evidence in one of the state's most significant murder trials, and we'll get to the trial later. Justice Watts told the court he had moved house in June or July the previous year. He told Justice Peter Garling, who is presiding over the judge-alone trial, he told Miss Blanchard after the discovery that he could no longer be involved in the proceedings. In the week after the bomb was found in the driveway of my former property, I had a conversation with Miss Blanchard where I indicated I believed I could no longer act for her, Justice Watts said. So, in short, 10th of February, 1985. A solicitor assisting the, the wife of the murderer. Yes. I
2: mean, it seemed it seemed to be Paul that anyone vaguely connected from a legal perspective,
1: or, a, or even
2: or a religious sort of perspective.
1: It, yeah, it says here the bombing is averted after the car's owner Peter Tall checked the hood before starting the ignition. Oh, God, can you imagine if this guy had not checked the hood of his car? Anyway, That's just so weird, so effectively, effectively, this starts from the point of view of a man who has moved into a house goes to check his car before starting it and finds a bomb under the hood. Mm. And then, of course, he contacts the police (laughs) and the police go, oh, the lawyer Gary Watts Mm. used to live here. So, someone's clearly trying to kill him. So, this is the 10th of February, 1985. Mm. But a bomb that does go off is the 21st of July that same year. Is Mm. that correct? Yeah, that's right. And that's a terrible, terrible case. Right, so the next crime happens 21st of July, 1985, and this one's really dark. So, I'm reading here from a website. At 9.35am, July 21st, 1985, David Winder began his Bible discourse in the Kasula Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses in Sydney. A bomb estimated by police to be one kilogram of gelignite—there's the gelignite again— had been hidden under the speaker's platform, timed to go off during the Bible lecture. At 10.05 a.m., the explosion went off. It sent the speaker, David Winder, through the roof and landed him on a pile of debris outside the hall, bleeding, critically injured with two broken legs. Graham Wikes, sitting in the front row, was killed instantly. His wife and children suffered severe injuries. The case remained unsolved for decades. That's horrifying. So Mm. apparently there were 13 injuries on the day. Yeah.
2: But I guess you've got to look at why the, the bomber yep. um had had done this. Okay, so talk us talk us through that. Part. Well well one of the reasons, Paul, was that the the church community had embraced the the wife of the bomber. And they offered assistance and, you know, counselling and of course the bomber he then thought because can you can imagine well i say you can imagine how sort of what was i mean it's difficult to put myself into this the bomber's sort of head but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's proving to be fairly obvious and apparent that any person that was connected from the judiciary to you know solicitors lawyers and now um, you know a, a, a group and they may well have assisted or tried to assist the wife to get away from her husband and this all would have been construed by the offender as yet another reason but this time it's he's entering a, a place of religion let's call it a place of religion it being a recognized church and again he's had to break in to this this church he's had to his knowledge of explosives is is pretty damn good isn't it because to be able to set things up with with trip wires but the next level is timers to place this device under the lectern is just it's just extraordinary and so there you are with, with potentially a packed hall. This is when you begin to realise, if you haven't already, that he was very prepared to kill lots and lots of innocent people. I mean, think about the people in that hall that are not associated with his family law court problem, even though there may be people within the church that want to... To help the wife. Yeah. Um, what about all the other people in that hall, the children? And potentially, every single person could have been blown up. I mean, I'm looking at a photograph of it, and the, you're looking at trees and bush, but not you're looking at them through the ruins Yeah. on the other side. So, there's basically... There's nothing left. It looks... It's just, I, I can't understand how anyone got out of that. And, um, yeah, it's just, isn't it weird to think, Paul, about someone that would do something like this and that, that he'd be waiting somewhere. I don't know where he was, but he'd be sort of, you know, was he nearby in a car? Had he gone home? Had he had he gone, uh, who knows?
1: Had he gone to I'm a cu- club? I'm curious as to why he stopped because this is the last crime he commits there's In this. A, there's a, yeah, there's a very, very, very
2: good reason yeah. why he stopped. And do you know why okay. he stopped, Paul? No, please tell me. Oh, you don't know? No, I don't know. No. This is incredible. He was granted custody of his daughter.
3: No. Yeah.
2: And then everything just stopped. It was all, it was all... Um... How did he get custody of his daughter if he was... He'd I mean, mean, that's what it was all about. It was about it's a custody dispute.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying they didn't give him custody because he kept doing these things, and they wanted they to stop. Know. They so, didn't know.
2: But there were- it's just it's it's a coincidence. So when they look back on things, they go, "Oh, hang on a sec." In 2006, everything stopped. Why did it stop? Not because he got arrested. No, because he got custody of his daughter. Jesus. Christ. And that opens up a bit of a can of worms, which I don't really want to talk about too much. But I also, having seen some of the documentary. Um, and I'm going to say this as delicately as I can. I would love to know why the court found in his favour. Let's me just leave it at that. Me too. Mm. No. Because F- things are never as they. It's, it's always there's always two sides, aren't there? Mm. Yeah. Which makes me gives me the creep saying that. But it's the that's obviously the courts. It, it's not even really worthy of comment. But I will say, and it sounds so silly, but obviously the court in granting him custody
1: <laughs> had no idea he was the bomber <laughs> Let's just i mean say te- that. technically they stopped a crime spree but i would hate i would absolutely hate to think what it was like to be the daughter and then get to the point in 2015 when your dad gets arrested and it turns out that all of those crimes were because he was a psychopath who wanted custody of you. Mm, so mm. it's it's not until the 29th of July when he is arrested. Leon Wa- Leonard Warwick arrested while using a treadmill at his gym. At this point, he's very old as mm. well. And he's charged with the bombings and the murders. And the trial is a doozy. I mean, mm. it is a big trial. And the reason this series has come out and the reason all this coverage has come out is because... The trial really only kind of recently finished. Is that right?
2: It was a very expensive trial. It was it was jury only. But I think we should save that for next week, Paul. What I'd like to say, mm. have you asked yourself how they actually caught him? It's so
1: fascinating. Well, then next week we will deal with how they caught this guy and what happened to him and what happened during the trial as well, because it was a it was an absolute doozy. Five years. The police officers involved, the detectives, yeah.
2: They all knew it was him. They couldn't
1: prove it. Okay, let's deal with that next week, Dad, because this is... This case is absolutely incredible and extremely depressing. If you go across to facebook.com forward slash loose units, we're going to pop up the drawings that we talked about, the photograph uh, from the crime scene. We'll link to a few articles. But this is fascinating. And looking at this through the lens of, of you, because you were in... The police force at the time. First of all, uh, did you he- were you hearing about this while you were yeah yeah, while yeah. You were in the police force? But
2: look at as a special treat to everyone. Yeah. At the end of next week's episode, mm-hmm. I'm going to drop a bombshell. Excuse the pun. Okay. Because there are things that I know about this case <laughs> that are so terrible, Fuck and me. I it's really heavy. All right. Because I'm- anyway, look, mm. it's really fascinating. It, it sort of it'll it all ties into the fire brigade. Weirdly, because as we know that I was in both services. So I've got a pretty good, interesting perspective on... Because on, there's a lot of stuff that, that we'll, we'll talk about next week. Let's just All say right. that.
1: All right. Nervous mm. as hell. <sighs> okay. Well, we'll be back next week with an absolutely cracking close to this trilogy of episodes looking at the family court murders We'll be back on Friday with an episode of Loose Ends to take the edge off. But in the meantime, have a great week and we will see you soon for more loose units. Bye, everyone. Cheerio.
0: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.